This is a saga man. Oh, it's a saga man that sells Kush. Okay, I got it. He sells Kush, but only in the winter. Did I win? Welcome to Art is Human Nature, a podcast where art meets the expert. A podcast where I, the artist, speak with people who know a lot about the ideas I try to capture in my work. I'm your host, Alexander Robinson. The expert I'm going to be speaking with for this episode is Marlon Palmer, a.k.a. That Dude McFly. He's a comedian, podcaster, YouTuber, host, actor, and an overall Toronto legend. And I'm very excited to be speaking with him today. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you for that amazing introduction, man. Since high school days, me and my friends, we would watch your videos and just laugh our asses off and even to this day with the content you put out, it still has us laughing and just like bringing our spirits up. So it's super dope to be speaking with you right now. But this past year with the pandemic, the rise in awareness of, you know, all these social issues and all this stuff going on, it's been a wild year. And for me personally, I think comedy and laughter have always been super important and integral to the world. But I feel like now more than ever, People need comedy and people need to have a good laugh. So I wanted to have you on the podcast so we could talk about comedy and how laughter can be a form of therapy that helps us get through tough times. So the first thing I want to get into is I think there's a difference between having funny moments and being inherently funny. Like I know all of us can be funny sometimes, but then there are people like yourself where being funny is like second nature. So I wanted to ask you, when did you realize you were funny, funny, like for real? It comes and goes. It's like ebbs and flows with being funny, quote unquote, because I feel like you can think you're funny and then you can go into one room where people are just not responding in the way other people have responded. And now you're questioning everything. And it takes you a while, to be honest. I think when I first thought I was funny was definitely growing up in school I would always get the attention for doing something clown-like and just making my friends laugh all the time. So I knew I had that ability, but I'm like, is it just my friends? Because they're used to me, they know me. And so growing up, it's just constantly doubting yourself. And it wasn't until probably, I'd say maybe three or four years ago where I was just like, yo, I'm funny. Like, I'm legit funny. And it took time for me to see especially like going back and looking at old videos that i've done or old skits that i've done and just being like wow that actually stood the test of time like i'm actually still laughing at that i guess i'm funny and so it took a lot of doubt to get to this point i would never think that at any moment you ever doubted that so it's, it's crazy to hear that there's a lot of factors that go into that like sometimes it's not necessarily just a comedy like i had uh, relationship problems and just life problems that i was going through at certain points i was depressed and just not thinking i was as talented as i actually am and like i said it just takes persevering and pushing through continuing to do something especially consistency and reflection, being able to look back at old work and old projects that I've done and seeing the growth, but also seeing that there was something there all along. 
I really want to ask you this because for me, this is something I can definitely relate to with me being a visual artist. But for you, growing up in a Caribbean home and choosing to pursue the arts, you know, like a form of art, what was that like? Because I feel like a lot of the times they might not be supportive. That's a sin. You should never do that. And like, in a way, you kind of feel guilty as a first generation kid because your parents come here, they work so hard to get here. They provided a life for you that you don't know if you would have been able to pull off had you been in their position. And so now you're automatically, as soon as you're born, in debt. <laughs> you're already in debt. And you feel like you need to repay that debt. And by doing, you know, the thing that your parents tell you to do, go be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, all these things that you hear, you feel like, no, I could never work at McDonald's. Like that is a cardinal sin in any West Indian home is working at McDonald's. That's like the lowest of the low for some reason. If, when it comes to the arts, especially, there's too much risk for West Indian parents to fully indulge for the most part. I won't say all West Indian parents, but most, because they want what's best for you. They want you to have as much opportunity as is possible. If they put you into this position and now you're taking the highest risk, the arts is something that's so many people strive to make money from and just can't. And so for you to think that you have the audacity to make a living out of this is preposterous to some of those parents. And so... I get it. I understand it. It comes from love. It comes from security. But West Indian parents need to be a little bit more open-minded and realize that life is not short. Contrary to what people say, life is pretty long. Like if you do something that you don't like, there's tons of opportunity to pivot. There's nothing stopping you. People go to school again at 55 years old. So it's like, there's really nothing stopping you from changing your course. Yeah, that's real, man. Like I feel everything you just said. I wanted to ask you, who have been some of your inspirations in comedy? And how do you think those people have influenced your approach to the craft? Definitely Will Smith. Everybody who knows me knows Will Smith is dad. Jamie Foxx, Childish Gambino, Issa Rae is a huge inspiration to me right now. Just because all those people that I mentioned never stayed in a box and we're always thinking outside the box and how to expand the box and it's just there's too many examples that they've shown of being able to be an everything person they don't need to just be the comedy person or the drama person or the action person or the singing person or the rapping person they can be all these things at once and still thrive and succeed and in a world that's teaching you to constantly niche and if you're on social media, you if you want to grow, you have to niche it out. You have to niche market. I hate that, which is why like I'm constantly creating things that are new because I get bored very easily and I enjoy the challenge of watching something grow. It's exciting to me. And so with those examples, Issa Rae, Jamie Foxx, all those people accomplish those things at the highest level of blackness that I know of. And I would think that anyone in the arts would strive to be that and those are all like super great people to be inspired by for you who's the goat who's the goat comedian dave Chappelle is the goat in my opinion for a long time eddie murphy was my goat i know delirious back in front i know rob back in front but it's just like how long can we hold up those classics 
You know what I mean? Eddie hasn't given us something in so long, whereas Dave's been sprinkling us with classic, classic, classic every couple years. Left, disappeared for 10 years, came back, deezed, dropped a classic again. <laughs> he drops classics in janitor's outfits. It's like, how can you deny that this guy's not the GOAT? You know what I mean? And he curates his life on a, a crazy level. Like He lives the life that everybody thinks that rich people live. This guy just walked out with the Foo Fighters at Madison Square Garden, the first show Madison Square Garden has done since COVID's left or whatnot. And Chappelle's on stage with the Foo Fighters singing their, one of their hit songs, Creep. Like, what stand-up comedian just is doing that? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? This is a guy that he collaborates with so many different musicians. He he had comedians and, and different artists coming to his farm in Ohio throughout the entire pandemic just to get their comedy off. A comedian that not only props himself up, but props up other comedians is like, yeah, that's the goat to me. If I had to say the goat for me, yeah, I'd give the same answer. Yeah, man, Dave, geez. And what you said about like living the life that we think rich people live, the stuff this guy does is, is crazy. So bringing it back to um, inspirations and like great talented comedians and creatives in general, what qualities do you think make someone a great comic? I think the ability to translate people's everyday thoughts and articulate them in a very simple, easily digestible way, but is also presenting ideas that you never thought of, perspectives that you never thought of. That's why I love Dave Chappelle. He's like the greatest devil's advocate. It's like he knows every side of the argument and just breaks it down to its very nuanced parts. And then you have people like Michael Shea, for example, Louis C.K., Bill Burr, all these guys who can break down a topic to its atoms, <laughs> like the cells of the, of the topic is what you see at the end. And I think that their ability to do that, their ability to say things that no one's heard, to have original thought is genius. That's a genius level. And these guys have achieved it time and time again. And so when I'm watching their specials, I'm just in awe of that original thought. Original thought. That's so real. I feel like this is a tough thing for anyone coming up in any craft, but with, let's say, like comedy or like coming up with skits or stand up or anything, what advice would you give to someone who is on the come up and they have their inspirations, but let's say they're having trouble carving out their own voice? And they find themselves sometimes imitating their influences. What would you say to someone to get to that next step? I mean, it's okay. I feel like it's okay to imitate when you're first starting out. You need a point of reference. And it takes that imitation for you to find the fraudulence in yourself. Sometimes you'll look back at some of that imitation and be like, that's not me. Or I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say this. And it just takes a lot of self-editing. You know what I mean? Making sure that the end product is honest to yourself. If it's not honest to yourself, it'll never be your voice. If it's not your voice, then the audience can automatically tell that it's somebody else's voice. They've heard it before if you're imitating it. And so if you want to find your own voice, honesty is where you got to start. It's being honest with yourself. Even if what you're presenting puts you in harm's way in terms of like you believe that or you did believe that before whatever you're presenting, 
then so be it. Stand on it. You know what I mean? Live in that truth. But if you're not going to live in the truth, then it's going to read on screen and people will tell when you're being dishonest, especially if you're doing comedy. If you're doing stand-up comedy, especially, whew, God bless being fake, being a liar on stage. It's the one place you can't hide. You cannot hide. You're the only person in the room facing the wrong direction. <laughs> like Everyone's looking at you for a reason. So it's, you got to definitely be honest to yourself. With you talking about with stand-up and how you're just out there and there's no hiding or anything, that makes me think like how with stand-up or let's say doing like sketch comedy, they both have their pros and cons. For yourself, if you had to say, do you prefer stand-up or writing and performing skits? I prefer the feeling of stand-up, but I prefer skits because of the amount of eyes that can be on that project. So like my stand-up can't necessarily garner that same attention, whereas a skit can go super viral very easily with stand-up comedians. It takes a little bit more fan loyalty and numbers and touring, and there's a whole bunch that goes into it that leads you to being viral as a stand-up comedian. You've barely ever seen any stand-up comedian that has like a 1,000, 2,000 followers consistently seeing their stand-ups going viral. It's always a guy that has a, a million or a couple hundred thousand followers where you'll see his bits go viral because he has the brand loyalty, he's got the fan following. With skits, I feel like people on social media are more programmed to share skits and to spread them and share them with friends and whatnot. Speaking of stand-up, I've noticed that you've started to do stand-up more and you've been like branching out in that lane. What has your experience been like in the stand-up scene? Yeah, stand-up has been dope. It's a very friendly community. Like everyone's pretty friendly for the most part. I haven't really met anybody that I'm like, wow, what a dickhead. Although I'm pretty sure there are people like that out there. But for the most part, everyone's pretty supportive. Everyone knows that it's not a, a financially thriving business. And so, what you know, when you have shows, you put on your friends and you put on people who don't really get shows much and stuff like that. So it's a pretty um, loving community in that sense. In terms of the stand-up scene in Toronto, I feel for people my age, it still needs some work. I think stand-up should be a much bigger deal in the city. There's no reason in my mind that Montreal should be the stand-up comedy safe haven of Canada. They have the Just for Laugh tour that happens, or festival rather. And why doesn't Toronto's festival stand up against that? You know what I mean? We have our festival for about a month. We have a bunch of stand-up comedians that come to the city. And I don't even know how many people know that. You know what I mean? Especially in the black community. Like the, the black community there, you have a few people in the city that can constantly bring people out. You got West Hype, you got Mr. Lewin, J. Martin, Tricks, those guys, you know what I mean? That can bring out a black crowd very easily. But there should be way more. And I would encourage all the, especially the social media comedians to step out on the stage, man. And let's build this community up because it's going to take people with those type of social media numbers to build it. Especially with comedians, a lot of stand-up comedians do not like social media or aren't good at social media. I had to face that challenge when I first stepped into comedy in this city. I think that's probably the only thing that I would say is like a roadblock is if you're a social media person and you 
come over to stand-up comedy, you're not only facing the audience, you're also facing every stand-up comedian that's in that room. They're all expecting you to fall flat on your face. They all want you to do bad, to prove in their minds that this editing comedy stuff is not the same as stand-up. And I love going up there and shitting on these boys, man. I love it. That's what's up. That's what's up. (laughs) Are you feeling optimistic about that future? For the comedy scene. Definitely. Right before the pandemic hit, I threw my first comedy show and that was a huge success. And just seeing a lot of people that have never been to a comedy show come out and seeing how much fun they had. It's like exposing people to more things to do in the city. You know what I mean? Uh, A lot of people are just stuck on the partying and the clubs and I get it. You know, that was me as well. But Offering other alternatives, I think, is important during this time, especially coming back outside. Got a lot of people like some of the people I named and much more who are constantly putting on events, especially catered to a younger audience like ours. We got to just know how to market it a little bit better. Like, I think that's what it is for the most part, especially when in terms of immigration in the city, like a lot of stand-up comedians are first generation like we talked about before, the arts is not something that's really, you're not really pushed to that point. So you're going to see a lot more comedians come through in the second generation, third generation and moving on when people are more confident in pursuing the arts and parents are more encouraging of those types of things. So I think it's in good standing. We're a young city and we have a lot of potential. I want to get into the art piece for this episode. I'm really curious about like what your take is going to be. And I have like some interesting questions to ask you about it. So I'm going to pull up the piece and we'll get into that. If you'd like to see the artwork we're about to discuss, you'll find a link in the episode notes or you can visit artbyrobinson.com slash art is human nature. I repeat, if you'd like to follow along and see the artwork we're about to discuss, You'll find a link in the episode notes, or you can visit artbyrobinson.com slash art is human nature. All right, let's get back to the episode. So this is the piece for this episode. It's an interesting story behind it, and there's an interesting title behind this piece, but I'll get into that a little later. But firstly, I want to ask, looking at the piece, what stands out to you? What's interesting is the cigarettes and blunts that are like, I don't know if they're like icicles or just hanging and then the plant for a head i think seems a little bit symbolic that plant is in the winter and it's still fine so i think that's symbolic of something i think it means that weed's legal in toronto and it's cold here (laughs) and we still growing as people (laughs) as individuals (laughs) looking at this piece how does it make you feel I feel a little cold. I feel confused. Cold and confused. Yes. I'm going to stick with cold and confused. This is an interesting question. So if you had to come up with a title for this piece, what would the title be? Let's go with High Things Grow in Ontario. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. I like that. I guess firstly, the title I decided on with this piece was Ashy Seasonal Depression. <laughs> okay. Pretty much like the idea for this piece came to me during the winter time. Like we all do, I was going through like a little bit of a slump, kind of a difficult time. And I think just me being like a creative person, I make strange observations 
And that idea of pulling out that interesting perspective. So thinking about how I was feeling, I had two realizations. The first is I noticed when I'm feeling like really down or I'm in a slump, I tend to smoke a lot more. So that was the first thing. The second thing, which is like, I like I had to laugh when when it popped in my head. But the second thing I realized is <laughs> when I'm going through a tough time, I noticed that's when my skin is ashiest. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I mean, tough times. <laughs> but yeah, so I realized that. And then I was, I was trying to put those things together. The cold winter, the smoking, the ashiness of my skin, needing some moisturizer, bad. But also the ashiness from, you know, the cigarettes, the blunts. One thing you said, but you said cold and confused. And yeah, that's really, you know, what it was. But at the same time, one thing that I think is really cool is taking like a tough time and being like, I'm super ashy. Like I get ashy, I get sad. Is it the sadness of the ashy? <laughs> you know, thinking about all that and making this piece, which was like made during like a tough time. For me, I'm able to look back at this piece and I'm able to smile or I'm able to laugh. It was made during a serious time, but there's like a ridiculousness to it. And that makes me think of comedy and how I've always felt with comedy and like these weird observations. I feel like a lot of the time, you're like taking the teeth out of a situation. What do you think about that whole process? Like you said, that ridiculousness, that hyperbole mixed with an actual message at the same time is definitely just so in line with comedy. So that makes a lot of sense. And that's a fake North Face jacket. So that's also very funny. Oh, times are hard out here. Times are hard out here. Thinking of navigating this new space and the new things people have been doing, I've noticed a big thing people have been doing is doing podcasts, especially people like yourself who are natural hosts and natural communicators and stuff like that. You see it with Andrew Schultz, you see it with Dave Chappelle, Midnight Miracle. And then for yourself with Extra Gravy, I want to ask, what has doing that podcast been like for you and what does the podcast mean to you today? It's been amazing. It's incredibly therapeutic, especially during the, the pandemic, to be able to sit down and converse with people who are not in your home for three hours a week is always great. You know what I mean? And learning a lot more about yourselves through conversation is just an added bonus. Like I, I learned so much about myself by talking to my two co-hosts every week. And it's helped me grow a lot as a person, just seeing other perspectives, considering other, uh, other alternatives. And what the podcast means to me is it's the most consistent thing I've ever done. I don't think I've missed a week. And if we missed a week, it was intentional. And so in terms of any media or content creation that I've done, it's the most consistent thing I've done. So that's what it means to me. If you were, I want to go hypothetical, if you were to ever get like a special or better yet, when you get a special, when you get a special, whether it's on Crave or Netflix or wherever, what do you think your approach would be? Do you think it would be like, a comedy special, like straight up stand up? Do you think it would be a sketch show? What do you think you would do? I think I would create a series just because that's just the mind frame I'm in right now. It's just like I want to create a series and I have a, a certain series in mind that I would, I would like to create. So it'd probably be that. Like I said, I like original thought. I love original ideas. And it's something that I haven't seen done yet, which I feel like needs to be done. It's, I think it's a necessity. So a series would definitely be something I would look into right now. If you asked me probably like three, four years ago, I would have said West Indian African sketch comedy show 
kind of like in the vein of a Chappelle show. That's an idea that I've had for quite some time as well. So at the end of the day, whatever I would do, it would definitely be for the culture more than myself, if that makes sense. It'd be something that I feel is necessary and missing rather than something that would prop me up. So like a stand-up would prop me up. I don't think that that's necessary. That's really like admirable, man. The idea of, you know, like wanting to do something for the culture. That's really cool. For anyone listening, one who is, you know, like an aspiring creative and they have this natural talent for making people laugh, what advice would you give them while they're figuring it out? And then two, for anyone who is, let's say, going through a tough time and they're trying to get like a new perspective on things where they can laugh about certain situations, what advice would you give to those people as well? For the people who want to create content, I feel like it's important to just keep doing it and to put it out and let the people decide what's good and what's not. Sometimes you think you have a joke that I, there's tons of times I've been on stage, done a joke, and the part where I expected laughter, I didn't get laughter. The part I didn't expect laughter, I got mad laughter. And so a lot of times we're, as creatives, we're in our own head and we think we know what's best when we should just be letting the audience decide. And don't be afraid to fail. It's the best teacher. Taking L's is the only thing that's going to shape you. Winning constantly, if you won your whole life, you'd never learn anything. And so putting your stuff out and, and taking that trial and error, it's only going to make you better as a person. It's not embarrassing. No one remembers for too long. Don't have main character syndrome. Nobody cares about you that much. If, especially if you're starting out, you are awarded the opportunity to fail. That's the, one of the blessings of, of being a small time creator is you can experiment with tons of shit and then find what works and run with it. If you start out the gate hot, then you don't know where to go from there. It can be very confusing. Trust me. And so in terms of people who like are, are looking for an escape through comedy and, and stuff like that, just there's no real advice I can give you. It's either you want better or you don't. And what are the steps that you're willing to take to get there? How are you going to hold yourself accountable? That means getting out of bed and doing your work in the living room because it's more light or whatever the case may be. Do that. You know, baby steps, little things that will take you your mind to a, a more positive space. I find for myself, I watch a lot of documentaries, see a lot of educational stuff on TikTok, which has become my new favorite app. And there's just too many mediums where you can find inspiration and, and knowledge. I find a lot of times when you're down about some stuff is because you don't have the knowledge for the things you do want to indulge in. So just take this time and indulge in the actual books that will teach you that stuff or the videos. I learned a lot. I'm a visual learner. I learned a lot of things just watching YouTube videos, watching other people I admire do it and studying their moves. So I think that that's the best course of action. Man, that's some great advice and just like really insightful stuff. I guess the last question I got for you. When was the last time you laughed so hard you cried? Definitely something my girlfriend did. She is a crackhead. So she definitely did something weeks ago that I was on the floor. I was losing it. I'm like, you do drugs. It's official. So if you want a source of entertainment, fuck a cat. Don't even worry about a dog. Get you a girlfriend. Entertainment out the ass. These individuals are something else. You hear me? They are something else. 
I just want to say uh, thank you, Marlon. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been dope. This has been really cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. I love the art. It's amazing. Continue doing what you do. I love this whole show, this whole setup and everything like that. It's a very unique concept. And I, I hope you, you go as far as you can with this, man. This concludes Art is Human Nature. To see the artwork for this episode, visit artbyrobinson.com slash artishumannature. Until next time.